The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hello, welcome to Healing the City podcast. I'm here today with Ash Seepin. Ash, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Uh, and we're here to talk to Ash today about being a village kid and growing up in the church and um, as well as, you know, what she's up to now and uh, her artistic endeavors and how she's contributed to the community. So very excited to talk to you today, Ash. Um, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. Uh, so um, first of all, if, you know, I, I think a lot of people know you as uh, Pastor Eric's daughter, but can you kind of give us an idea of what you're up to these days and, and what kind of, uh, what how you spend your time? Yeah, so I am almost 21 at this at the point of this recording. Uh, I am a grad student at the U of A, and I am working on finishing up my bachelor's degree as well as starting a uh, grad path into library science. Cool. How'd you get interested in library science? We spent a lot of time at libraries when I was a kid. It was, you know, easy, accessible, air-conditioned, most importantly. Definitely. Um, I always, I liked, once I started reading, I really just dove into it headfirst. So uh, libraries just provided an outlet for that, where I could just sit and read books all day until uh, I was dragged out of it. Yeah, so now you'll uh, hopefully get to do that as a career. Yeah, they're in about. Uh, library work, unfortunately, isn't just sitting and reading books, but uh, collecting and archiving data. And I've always really liked information. I'm full of weird facts and tidbits of information that I've collected over the years. You also are uh, you also are an active participant in the U of A fencing program. Yeah, uh, you know, always got to uh, advertise when I can. So, <laughs> yeah, and how's that? Uh, How's it been uh, entering into the fencing world and all those dangers? It's not really dangerous. To be fair, it is one of the safest Olympic sports. Oh, okay. The risk of concussion is very low <laughs> for a contact sport. Um, but it it's really nice. The community piece of it is really big. It's one of our coaches' biggest values. So entering into it felt really natural because it almost felt like the community that I'm already in. Cool. So how long have you been doing fencing? About a year. I started right after all of the COVID regulations lifted my junior year. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, we kind of you know, have you on today for, you know, a couple of reasons. One, um, you mentioned in your intro that you're about to be 21. Um, so you were born in 2001, and the church also started in 2001. So you are one of the true original village kids that's correct yes <laughs> i would say the original village kid <laughs> so um you know what was it like growing up in this uh community where your parents were you know your dad was the pastor your mom was super involved with everything what was that what was that like for you as a kid um i don't actually like think it impacted me a ton as growing up because i was just places if my parents were somewhere, I was probably with them. And if I wasn't, then I was with Jesse and Anna at the house. We just, when you grow up in a community house, you kind of have built-in babysitting. 
So we never had the traditional, like, babysitter experience, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, there's a teenager in my house that I don't know. It's, no, but it's my brother. Yeah. He's it. Poor poor guy got stuck with a lot of that. Yeah. uh, During meetings. Were you ever, um, was any, you know, part of it ever boring, or you're like, why are we doing things this way, or I don't want to be here? Um, not really until I was, like, a teenager, you know, you hit your traditional... I I don't like my parents. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this kind of phase. Uh, but before that, it was just like, you know, this is how we do things. I, even though like growing up in a community like this, uh, everyone is your parent. So right. you get like, there are 80 people who are like, not 80, but like, <laughs> all of the adults are like, ah, yes, this is also my child and I will parent them. Right, so you couldn't get away with a whole lot of stuff if your parents were off doing something else. No, not that I really tried particularly hard, but uh, it was more like people being like, oh, what are you doing? Or asking for information where I was like, I don't I don't know if this is your thing to chime in on. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a community. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, the village has fostered a sense of family among all of its... Uh, members so um it's definitely you know telling kids not to run through the sanctuary or oh and i do that i do that all the time oh I'll, <laughs> I'll snap at kids well not snap but you know what i mean like, lovingly correct <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, the and it, it's it's not as it's not as bad as it used to be i mean i'm an adult now so a lot of that dies down once you get older right now it's people who are just you know generally genuinely interested in my life and want to know what's going on, even if they maybe want to know more than I want to tell them. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think growing up in a community like this has made me a very private person. I value my privacy a lot, maybe more than I should. Yeah, because I think, you know, your pa- your parents are in the spotlight often, and um, it's it can kind of tend to bleed over onto you being their kid. And uh, as you kind of grow into your own identity, how's that How's it been holding that boundary of, of of trying to maintain some 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 privacy and some separation from the from being all all out there in the community? I don't know. I'm on leadership team, so I don't know if it's worked very well. Yeah, <laughs> um, you've got roped in already. <laughs> I I mean, once I move out, I think it'll be different, and I think that'll be good. Um, but that's not for another couple of years, so. It's my my desire for financial stability and my desire for privacy are do not hold equal ground. <laughs> I think that's probably a wise decision coming from someone who is a little older than you. Uh, financial <laughs> making good financial decisions at your age is very important. So I just got my first credit card, but it took ages <laughs> because I didn't have any credit beforehand. Because I was like, why would I? Why would I get a card that will allow me to buy things that I can't afford? Why would I use it? And you know. It just the concept of credit doesn't make much sense to me. But I realize that as I get go towards moving out and getting my own place, I need a credit score. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, uh, a weird society we live in. But I'm congratulations on the first milestone of your credit journey. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, and that kind of leads me to, um, you know, as you've become an adult, you're still living at home, um, but also, you know, kind of creating your own life a kind of you know as a still part of your family but 
as an adult and uh, with in as a part of your family and still in the same community you grew up in how is that um, how's that transition been for you especially with it kind of everything coming in over covid as you're kind of coming into adulthood i mean i my life is still very much with my family it's it's an important part of me like if my friends are around. They're around my parents. All my friends think my parents are the coolest thing ever. Well, they are. Which is, they are. They are very cool. I think my parents are great. But it's always, like, a little bit weird when you feel like your friends like your parents more than they like you. <laughs> or at least that they think that your parents are cooler than you. Um, but, yeah. So, COVID has... It definitely complicated things because we you know we all got stuck in the house for two years and now our household is back up to uh eight but nine over the winter break and anna will be back after this semester so it's it's a lot of people in this small not a small space but in a space that maybe shouldn't have nine people in it adults at this yeah point. nine adults it was it felt a little bit less when uh we were younger but I think it also felt very large. The house felt bigger because we were smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you have to adjust to living together as nine adults, which yes, is a challenge. Although eight adults. Elliot's not an adult yet. He looks, <laughs> he's got a year. He has a year. He's my little brother. Even though he's in college. <laughs> Just because he decided to hit the speed up button doesn't mean he gets to be called an adult yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But... um yeah, I think that, well, it sounds like, you know, the fencing, now that you, that COVID is kind of, uh, the restrictions are going back and you've been able to join the fencing group at U of A, that's kind of let you kind of have a more normal kind of college experience and in interacting yeah. with other people you're around your age. For sure. I, I'm out most nights, actually. I'm not home very often. During the day, I'm home sometimes um, because, you know, there it's a transition between class periods and whatnot, but because I'm... Uh, technically a senior most of my classes are not in person I like the online format I've been doing it since high school it's very comfortable for me I like being able to pace myself the way I want to and not have to sit in a lecture hall all day so I'm at home during the day but I'm out most nights to either fence or I have bible study or whatever is going on uh, I run a couple of Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. So this year is definitely, it's it's funny because when I started college, uh, my father jokingly threatened that if I didn't make some friends and get out more, then he was going to boot me from the house. <laughs> and now I'm out enough that he's like, why aren't you home in the evening? I miss you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny how the parents do that. Uh, <laughs> how has it... Um you know, how's it been for you, you know, growing up in this community and now becoming, um, you know, people that were older than you that maybe kind of looked after you as a child. And now you're kind of transitioning to more of a, a peer relationship with them as an adult. Can you talk a little bit about how that process has been for you? Yeah, it's kind of weird because it didn't. I've always been a little old for my age. Uh, I often get mistaked for a couple, like, up to five years older than I actually am. A wise old um, soul. <laughs> I don't know about wise, but definitely an old soul. I've been called <laughs> that since I was two. Uh, so it's it's weird because it doesn't quite feel like equal footing at this point. Like, even though I am in a, both in a leadership position and a, I wouldn't say full-fledged adult, but 
a fledged adult. Fledged. We're fledged. <laughs> um, it's because I have I have adult friendships where it's like these people are people who I hang out with and who I value their input on my life and they value my input on theirs sometimes. It, it still doesn't always feel like it's not a mentorship role, which is partially just my own, like, not like, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it, it never, it never has felt quite like we're on equal feet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that will, that will change as I get older, um, because I, there is still a significant age gap, like, between me and Lane, or between me and Jessica, or between me and you, there's, like, a 10-year age gap, at least. Yeah. And that, it, it, feels complicated sometimes where it's like do i have equal say in your life as you do in mine i don't think so because i don't have all of the life experiences but also technically as far as church hierarchy goes um even though we are all of those names that i listed are on leadership meeting team at the moment right uh, <laughs> well i'm not technically no not technically <laughs> but like you were in the past right or it's like there it it, the feeding still feels weird, and I I often draw parallels uh, to Timothy, and I have to remind myself that like yeah. age, like you can't let I can't let my own age hold me back from offering good things. Yeah, for sure. No, I've definitely uh, I've experienced a lot of good things from you, and I would definitely agree. Having known you uh, for now ten years and seen you go from. Uh, an 11, 10 year old, 11 year old to now, um, that you have offered me many good things over the years. So, thank um, you. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to transition now into talking about art and kind of the uh, impact that art has um, had in your life. Um, obviously, I think everyone knows your mom is a, a prolific artist. So, when did you start getting interested in art yourself? Oh, I've been scribbling on things. We have a really fun baby picture of me. Like, I think it's double fisting crayons or <laughs> markers and like drawing all over a piece of paper and the surface on which the paper was sitting. So I've been I've been drawing since I could hold a pen. And uh, I've always, there's always been support for it. Like, I have some friends who like, their parents never really supported their artistic endeavors because they didn't see them as monetizable. But no one is more excited about my art than my dad. <laughs> my dad is my number one biggest artistic fan Yay. and has continued to be just such a really like, great encourager and support of that. Uh, and my mom, too. But, like, dad will get pumped about something <laughs> if I show him something cool. Um, I like doing art with both of them. I like making things. And it's uh, it's a bit of a... Like I make slides for the church, and it's it bleeds into my relationship with God, and I find a lot of my conversations with him happen while I'm drawing. Cool. And you do um, more, the art you do is kind of more focused on the computer, is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah, I do some physical art, but it's less convenient at this point in time, because I have my iPad with me all the time, so... Mm -hmm. Pen and paper is fun and nice and has its own space, but I like I like digital art the most. Cool, yeah. And you've, you've mentioned you've contributed a lot. I think you've done all the logos for our various series. Yeah, for the most part, as long as I time is my biggest crunch when it comes to material making. I would love to do all of them. However, I often they slip my mind if I'm very busy. Yeah, you're <laughs> in school. It's been a busy season. Yeah, uh, but it's always a busy season. So. 
making time for things is important and I try to do it. That's great. Um, and you say you kind of get to experience God and, and can you talk a little bit more about that experiencing God and, and, and through doing various art projects and how you feel connected to him? Yeah, I, for like in the beginning, it wasn't necessarily as much of a like prayer process, but I, when I start a piece for a sermon series, I will go through, I, it almost turns into its own tiny Bible study of like, here's, uh, I will ask uh, whoever's preaching um, if they're available or if I remember what their vision is for the sermon because the sermon isn't always on something tangible that I can just go read. Sometimes it's on a concept or something that draws from multiple places. So it has to, it has to be made differently. But for the like books of the Bible series, it was like, I would dig into scripture and then I would, it would become a conversation with God of like, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, what's, what are, what are you saying in this passage or what is this chapter like really about or what's notable here that is iconic enough that people will remember it and it's it's its own little little conversation sometimes it feels more one-sided sometimes it doesn't but that's just you know that's the process of prayer that's really cool um i think uh one of the great things about being in the village and you having grown up with this i think you kind of touched on it earlier is that one of our values is creativity, and it seems that that was something that was really nurtured in you. That value was really nurtured yes. in you and your family from a young age, um, and uh, was clearly played a big role in your life. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, one of the other ways you um, you're you're one of your other artistic endeavors that may not everyone may not know about is that you also uh, do you make dice. Yeah, I make tabletop role play games role-playing game dice. Can you talk a little bit about what that entails and what kind of got you into that? Yeah, so I started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was in eighth grade, and uh, once I finished high school, I was playing with a consistent group of friends, or yeah, with a consistent group of people, and I wanted to make them dice for there for I wanted to make them a little d20 to commemorate the campaign as we wrapped it up Mm -hmm. um and I was like it'll be quick and easy I'll just you know I'll I'll, they won't look great but that's fine and so I was like we'll see if I can do it and if I can do it this will make a really fun gift I never ended up making those dice because they just didn't shake out (laughs) that campaign ended sooner than I thought it would blah 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 but I got, I went to Michael's and bought some silicone and I bought some resin and I just gave it a shot. And when I, I like the result I pulled out, there was like weird troubleshooting issues and I made them wrong. They turned out sticky and I was like, oh. And sometimes when I get a problem stuck in my craw, I will bite it and not let go until I've fixed it. There you go. So I just. I was like, okay, we're going to fix the sticky issue. And then I fixed the sticky issue. And then there was a bubble issue. And I was like, well, I need this expensive equipment to fix this bubble issue. Well, I guess it's a bit of an investment for a hobby. But, you know, I have some extra money right now. So let's just do it. And then I was like, well, I don't want to use standard. uh, Like, I didn't want to rip off a company. Because, I mean, I know it was for my own personal thing, but I was like, I see these other creators doing this, and that looks really cool, and I want to set for myself. So, and then, like, 
I want to say about six months into making them. I'd started in, it was right before COVID hit. It was the fall of 2019 in November. So my three-year anniversary is actually coming up here in a couple of months. Oh, very exciting. Um, and about six months later, I one of my friends in college was like, those are really cool. Can I buy it from you? And I was like, what? You want to do what? Because <laughs> up until then, I'd only been making them for myself and for my friends. Because I was like, this is this is dumb. This mm-hmm. is silly. Like, these are just fun for me. And then I was like, oh, I didn't realize, like, the people would be interested in what I was making. Yeah. Uh, so I sold that first set in, like, March of the next year. And uh, after that... I made enough to, A, have to pay taxes on it, and B, uh, replace all of the materials that I'd used uh, picking up the hobby. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the profits from that from that first year have floated me through the rest of dice making and through a, a couple semesters of college of like my just general expenses. It's dried up a little bit in the last year-ish because I've been extra busy and the market's gotten bigger because when I started not a lot of people were doing it probably only a couple hundred now I would say it's in the thousands but um yeah it's it's been kind of crazy I've met a lot of really cool people I've gotten to like go to classes and go to like dice seminars which is a weird thing to think about (laughs) like zoom Zoom dice seminars on how to make certain things or do certain effects or marketing and all of these like businessy things that I never thought in a thousand years that I would end up doing or like I have 2,000 followers on Instagram which is not like a ton as far as like influence quote-unquote influencers go but like 2,000 is a lot of people if there were 2,000 people in a room that were like hey I'm here for you I'd be like excuse me (laughs) why (laughs) so I've kind of I've kind of branched out a little bit uh I don't just make dice i've gotten to like share my art share my maps share my comics and stuff like that with a slightly larger audience and it's it's really cool yeah that's awesome yeah so you're getting uh an outlet for your multiple creative endeavors uh through through a dice making business so that's cool yeah i've uh really uh, you should follow her on instagram what's your instagram handle (laughs) five stones yes so go check her out she's got some great stuff on there uh, always time for a, a little plug. Um, <laughs> and uh, thanks for sharing about your art. Um, I know that you know I've I've really appreciated uh, the the uh, the way you do your art. It's kind of it's not the not always the traditional you know art that's you know graphics and they're always um, really cool. I really especially with the books of the Bible series, I really enjoyed you know the pieces that you pulled out for the each chapter so that was really cool and um i know it's really a blessing to the community um so one of the things i i wanted to close on is you know now that you you know you grew up original village kid uh you know you obviously have you have choices you have choices in church um attendance what has pulled you to stay connected to the community where you grew up in I think that if I left, I would be very sad. Um, My whole community is here. Like, all of my support, it'd kind of be like cutting my support net. And I I like the village a lot. I like the way we do worship. I like the way that we emphasize our values. I think that it's accessible. I've been to a lot of churches 
One of my dad's favorite things to do on vacation is go church shopping. So (laughs) we will end up at a couple of different churches wherever we go on vacation. And I've never been to one that felt like the village. And some of that is because I grew up here. It feels comfy. It's my place. But also, the way we do music is really important to me. I'm not a big fan of traditional church music. I like how personal ours is. I like that we've written most of it. Um, And even the songs that I don't like, I would rather listen to those songs than go somewhere else where I am not, um, where the music is different and doesn't feel as personal. And I know other churches do personal music. Like they write, there are other churches that write their own music, but I think what the village has is really special. And I think that the eating together is really special. It's accessible. And when I bring my friends, they never feel uncomfortable, even if they're not believers. Right. Yeah. It, it's a it's a very welcoming community. And yeah, uh, it's yeah. And you now as an adult are able to kind of share that with with other people that you've met in other spheres of your life. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Well, Ashton, thanks so much for um, coming down and talking with me today. Are there any final words you want to? leave for the healing the city podcast crew oh i don't know (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) well thanks for thanks for coming down and uh yeah thanks for sharing uh you know so we could get to know you uh not just eric and sue's daughter but your own cool individual person so uh thanks for coming and thanks for listening to healing the city podcast Healing the City podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Spotify and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email any questions to healingthecity at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.